Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, uh, as you give, we're going to jump into God's Word. Thank you for all that you do. We are a missional church. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of our things. We, we believe we're here uh, to make a difference, not just in Central Florida, but also around the world. And so thank you for being a part of that. And uh, I'm glad you're here today across all the campuses. I just kind of see you in my spirit there at Red Bug Lake and Michigan Street. Glad you're there. Also, if you're joining on the screen uh, somewhere else, uh, we're glad that you are a part of this service. And we look forward to the day uh, when you're in person at one of the campuses because as good as it is wherever you are, it's even better when you're in person. All right. (laughs) So that was a chance, you guys kind of messed up my whole thing there, that was a chance for you just to roar and then the people at home would be like, man, it must really be better. Um, But anyway, we'll work on that. Amen. No, it's all good. I'm just kidding. Uh, So glad that you're here. And uh, this next seven days, we got a lot of big things happening. This Wednesday night, our first Wednesday, I promise, if you've never been to a a first Wednesday, come out this Wednesday night. Peter Reeves, a good friend of mine, and uh, I promise it's he is God's going to use him uh, in a very, very profound way. And that is this Wednesday night, seven o'clock here at the Curry Ford campus. And uh, then, of course, this Saturday here also is the uh, for the lady folk. All right, it's the la- it's the brunch. So I think everybody <clears throat> should come to that. Um, and we've been in this series called "Staying." right side up in an upside down world, being right side up. And we launched this last weekend. If you missed last weekend's message, I would encourage you to go uh, maybe on our website or on YouTube and look at the archives and, and uh, take part of that. Uh, this today kind of builds on uh, what we discussed last week. Um, but we're gonna start in Second, Second Timothy, easy for me to say, Second Timothy chapter three and also Daniel chapter six. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6. If you have a copy of God's Word, also I see some of you, you're going to just look at the Bible behind me there on the screen. 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to go verses 1, verse 1 and verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 and verse 14 says this, you should know this, Timothy. Let me just interject this paraphrase and say this. You should know this, faith assembly, that in the last days there will be difficult times. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. Anybody know that the word of God is true? Amen. It is. You know there's something uh, about the word of God. It's not just true for us. It is the truth. And because we know that, um, we've, we've got to stay faithful to that even if difficult times come. We're going to pray as I preach this word in this, uh, under this series, Staying Right Side Up and Upside Down World. Today's message is entitled Living with Lions. Living with Lions. Will you pray with me? Come on, across all of our campuses. Let's ask God's anointing. Father, in Jesus' name, we do ask for your anointing upon this word. God, I pray that you'd help there be a prophetic anointing today, that you would speak through me. I just offer my life to you uh, to use me however you would see fit. God, give us ears to hear 
what the Spirit is saying. And God, we boldly, let's pray this all together, church. Lord, we just boldly ask you, change our life today. Change our life today. God, just do something significant uh, in our lives. And we love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. And everybody across all campuses, come on. We just say amen. So be it. Amen. Amen. Uh, I heard about an out-of-work actor. His name was Daniel. And he was looking for acting jobs. He was doing, getting by with whatever money he could make. But he was struggling. And uh, this was a few years back. So he was looking through the newspaper to see like where he could get a, a, a job, an acting job pref- preferably. He sees one, an ad for an ad. They needed actors. And so as he reads a little bit deeper into it, he sees that uh, these this one, one organization was looking for an actor who could uh, come and play a gorilla. And he was like, well, I mean, I've never done that before, but he fashioned himself a pretty good actor. And so he's like, I think I could do that. And he, he's like working on his gorilla skills there at home even before the interview. He goes in for the interview to see if he can get the job. And when he gets there, he realizes who it is uh, that's offering its, this job. It actually was the local zoo that was looking. They didn't put that in the newspaper ad. Once you got there and applied, they told them what happened. They said, here's what's going on. We've done a lot of capital improvements here at the zoo, and um, now we're over budget. And we were supposed to purchase this gorilla, and now we don't have the budget right now to do it. So for a, a period of time, we're not gonna do this forever, but for a period of time, we want we want to hire you to to be the gorilla, put on a gorilla suit, like be out there and go ape, you know, like just, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, Do all kinds of gorilla things out there. And so he's like, uh, you know, he needs the job, he needs the money, so he takes the job. First day, he's a nervous wreck, gets up, dressed up in the gorilla suit, he gets out in the gorilla habitat, and he just starts going for it. And I mean, he's, he's trying to make gorilla uh, motions and pretend to be a gorilla, and it's kind of working. Like, people are watching and enjoying it, and kids are lining up, and uh, he gets the hang of it. He's going now for a few days at this job, pretending to be a gorilla, and uh, he's, quite the, he's quite the sight at the zoo. Like that exhibit is the one that everybody's coming to watch and he's interacting with the kids and it's the whole thing. He's swinging around on stuff. I mean, he's really getting in this. Daniel has become quite a gorilla. And so at one point, uh, he's swinging one afternoon on whatever gorilla apparatus there was there in the exhibit. He's swinging, and then as he swings, his hands give way, because he's not as strong as a gorilla. He's pretending to be. His hands give way. He swings and twirls, and when he lands, he does not land in the gorilla exhibit. Right next to the wall, right next to the gorilla exhibit, was the lions. And he lands in the lion exhibit. And immediately when he hits the ground, he's like, okay, I'm done. And he starts going, hey, I'm a human. I need out. I need help. My name's Daniel. I'm not a gorilla. Someone do something. And as he's doing that, um, the lions notice when he falls, and one of the lions moves directly right for him. And he's getting more and more nervous. He's screaming, and then that lion pounces on him. And when the lion pounces on him, The lion says, will you shut up? You're going to get us both fired. (laughs) That's a true story. It's true. (laughs) Nah, it's not a true story. All right, let's, let's look at a true story, though. This, that, that one didn't happen. This one really happened. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, 
a true story where a person uh, has to interact with some lions. And um, I've been looking at these uh, passages. Last week we talked through Daniel chapter 3. This week Daniel chapter 6. And every time I'm reading these passages, I keep having flashbacks to like old school Sunday school. Um, Is anybody like alive long enough to be like old school Sunday school with the flannel graph, with like the felt board? Anybody, just wave at me if you're old enough. Okay, that's good. Now, there's gonna be a group of you that this is the other group. How many are gonna be like, I have no idea what you're even talking about right now. Wave at me right now. All right, that's what I thought. You're in for a treat. This is how it used to go. Before, like, the Sunday school teachers would just pull out the iPad and stream something and be like, look at this reenactment. Like, this is how it used to go down back in the day. And we're going we're gonna to do it as we read through, talk through Daniel chapter 6. I'll paraphrase some of it. Uh, this is what we start in verse 1. It pleased King Darius... Um, this is King David, all right. Let's go, uh, there he is, King Darius. It pleased King Darius, he appoints uh, 120 satraps throughout the kingdom. Uh, he also appoints uh, three particular, or he appoints these particular levels of, of satraps and governors, and so he appoints them, and that's who these guys <clears throat> will be. These are the governors that uh, King Darius appoints, and one of those that, he, that, that King Darius appoints is, uh, is Daniel. He's also, this is Daniel, he's also, and the Bible says that Daniel, uh, he distinguished himself above everybody else. So we're going to put him a little taller than everybody else. Now, I have, to, I have to just let you in on this. Daniel, at this point, in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is probably about uh, between um, 75 and 80 years old. So he looks good for 80, right? <laughs> That's what happens when you only have limited supplies. You just have to make it work, all right? So, but Daniel distinguishes himself above all the other administrators and the qualities that the king planned. So he, king was so impressed that the king planned to put Daniel over everybody. And that made the other guys a little bit jealous. And so now they started to scheme together and say, what can we do to get Daniel kind of out of the picture? We got to find some grounds for charges against him uh, uh, so that we can get him out of the government affairs. And when they were trying to find charges against him, they could not find anything. They were searching around. They could find no corruption in him. He was trustworthy. He was, uh, he was, he was good. And then they, they finally go, they're talking to each other. And, uh, and they were like, the only thing we could ever even find against him would have to have something to do with his relationship with God. Like, that's how, that's how much of a, uh, of a godly man he is. That's the only thing we can find wrong. So we'll have to come up with something. So the governors, I, I did this in first service, and my, my people got all mixed up up here. All right. Um, so then they get together, and they say, let's, let's come up with a plan. So they go to the king. And they like, hey, king, here's the thing. We've all gotten together, all of the governors, all the satraps, all of the officials. Now that's, that's what happens. Um, so they like, we all got together and we have a plan. King Darius, what we want to do is implement for 30 days. We want to implement a plan in which no one is allowed to pray to any person or any God for 30 days except for you, king, appealing to this king's 
pride and arrogance and we say, you know what? No one's allowed to pray to anybody, any God for 30 days except for you. King, what do you think about that? And the king's like, I think that's a great plan. Let's do it. And so they put it into place and they said, now, king, remember, when you put a plan like this into place, it has to stay put. And so uh, he does. And look at this. We have a copy of the of the decree right there. And so no one's allowed to pray except to me. All right. And so then we know that then the Bible says that Daniel, he sees, he did, where, oh, there he is. <laughs> I thought I lost Daniel again. I lost him. Don't worry about them. <laughs> They're the bad guys. All right. That's all right. <laughs> the Lord's putting them where they belong. Amen. All right. No. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. When you come against, no, I'm not even going there. <clears throat> so Daniel reads the decree, and uh, now after he reads the decree that no one's allowed to pray, this is what Daniel does. Daniel goes back to his house, and he kneels down in his room next to the window that next to the window that faced Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. And as he's down there praying, these guys come back and get, uh, they start spying on him. And they're like, there he is, praying three times a day, just like he always did, just like we knew he would. And so then the, the uh, satraps and governors, they go back to the king and they said, King, do you remember the decree that we put into place? And he says, yes, I remember. And they said, well, Daniel, uh, your servant, he went and he's been praying three times a day, every day, asking his God for help, just like it's against the law, and that's how it is. And so now we gotta throw him into the lion's den, which is what the decree said. If anybody prays, they get thrown into the lion's den. That has to happen to Daniel. That cannot be changed. The king gets so upset. Uh, it kind of breaks his heart because Daniel had had distinguished himself. He was important to uh, Darius's reign and government, and now he's trying to figure out a way. He makes every effort to save him until sundown, and then no effort uh, will, will work. And so then it comes time to cast Daniel into the lion's den. And so let's get this going. This is gonna be our lion's den. Boom, look at that. Come on. It's almost like it got less sticky in between services, which isn't really a possibility. All right, and so then, oh, let's get these lions going. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. This is when the kids all say, ooh. All right, so they throw Daniel down into the lion's den, and uh, he, he, he spends the evening, and the whole evening that he's in the lion's den, King Darius is a nervous wreck, and he's pacing, and he's, he doesn't have any entertainment to come to him that night. He takes no food that whole evening, no women that whole evening. Uh, he's, he, he is in anguish the whole night, worried about Daniel in the lion's den. And then uh, at the first light of dawn, the king hurried the king, there he is. He hurried and he was over the den and he's like, Daniel, when he came, he was like, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered back, which was such music to his ears. Daniel answered back, may the king live forever. My God has sent, my God has sent his angel. There it is. My, amen. 
<laughs> All right. Flannel board every week from now on. Y'all like it? Okay, well, every, every Bible text, we're doing this. Um, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed. Yay. The king was overjoyed. <laughs> and they lifted Daniel out of the den. Where, uh, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. <laughs> Amen. Give God praise. <clears throat> So we've been talking about that our world is shifting, tilting upside down, and we are trying to stay right side up, biblically. And if you have a biblical worldview at any level, you can see that happening. And we talked about the fact that that is a bit, um, as we look back on history, it's a little bit um, secular. In other words, we see different civilizations and different societies that would completely flip upside down and there would be Christians and God followers that would be trying to, to maintain their relation with God in the midst of the chaos. And so um, Daniel chapter three was one of those uh, instances that we read about. Now this is decades later, Daniel chapter six, under a different king now uh, that, that Daniel is under, but now under this new king, again, the world is starting to flip upside down. Daniel has to figure out what to do with it. And I believe that we are in one of those cultural shifts right now. Uh, it's not even really uh, out there to even make that statement. I think most of us sense that in our spirits. And so we have to decide, we have to probably even, even before it would get uh, maybe as bad as it's gonna get, we need to make the decision now that we are going to stay right side up. There are some traits that we're going to have to have as part of our regular life if we're going to be able to do that. And I think we can see some of the traits here that Daniel possesses uh, as his world is turning upside down. We can possess those same traits now. The first one would be this. I think that if we're going to stay right side up, we've got to possess the trait that is loyalty, which shows up in our lifestyle. Loyalty that shows up in our lifestyle. Can I go back to verses three, four, and five? When these, uh, Daniel had so distinguished himself, he had a life that was so above reproach, he had a life that was so effective, he had a life that was so tuned in to God that it made him valuable in every circumstance he was in. He so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps and uh, the, uh, uh, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators say traps. They tried to find grounds, look at this, grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Wow. What a testimony about this man's life that the private investigators are released and said, go get me some dirt on Daniel. And they all came back and said, we can find no dirt on Daniel. I mean, let me ask you the question. What if that same thing were to happen to you today in 2022? And they released the private investigators and they're digging around through your trash and they're digging around through your web history and they're digging around through your mail and they're following you and you don't know they're following you. Do they come back and say, we can't find anything on him. All we know about him is he really loves the Lord. This is what happens. And this, this would be our goal. Matter of fact, it's not, just our, it's not just a goal for fun. This would be our survival. Listen, the more upside down the world gets, the more right side up your lifestyle better become. 
There might be cultures, there might be days past when somebody could come to church on Sunday and then act like the devil Monday through Saturday and somehow feel like they were gonna get by with that and that was gonna work out. I'm telling you, this is not the culture where that's even gonna come close to working. There is a day coming where you're going to either have to live this thing seven days a week or it's just not going to be a part of your life. It's not, it's not just going to be something that can be some like part-time thing or some cute part of your life and then the rest of your life. No, I, I love the fact that for Daniel, his loyalty to God showed up in everything. That's why it's not just the people up in your church that should know you love Jesus. But I should be able to go to your uh, extended family. I should be able to go to your employees and your employers. I should be able to go to your coworkers and say, hey, what's important to her? What's important to him? And they should be able to say, oh, I'll tell you what's important. They seem to really have a commitment with God. I mean, it seems to affect the way they talk. It seems to affect the way they walk. It seems to affect what they'll be involved in. This is what, this is what Daniel's story was. We, we, they say, finally, they say, we will never find any basis for charges against him. Unless, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. What a, and this was not just in this moment. This was not just in this season that Daniel decides, I'm gonna I'm live upright. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do this thing the right way. This was his whole life. As I said, Daniel was probably 75, 80 years old. 60 years prior to this, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the Hebrews, they, they get taken out of exile into Babylon and get put into service and Daniel, this Daniel that we're talking about, he's the inspiration for the Daniel fast that we, that we do around here. Most of you kind of knew that. Some of you may not have, but this is the inspiration. And it, when Daniel first gets taken into exile, he makes a decision, again, 60 years prior to this, he makes a decision, I'm not going to be defiled by this new world that I live in. He said, I may, be, I may be coming into an upside down world, but I'm not going to let it turn me upside down. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. I like that language. He resolved to not defile himself with royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. This is what he said. He said, hey, can we just eat some vegetables instead? He said, I don't want any meat, no bread, no desserts. It's the Daniel fast, right? Uh, he said, let's do it. And, and they were like afraid to do it. They said, we're gonna get in trouble if we let you do that. He said, just try it for 10 days. Let's see what happens. After the end, end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food with them. This was his entire life where he decided, I don't care where the world goes, I'm gonna stay steady. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes there can be so many so many people around us that go upside down that when I stay right side up, I'm the one that looks odd. I'm the one that looks crazy. Anybody felt that before? Like you've been in certain environments where you're like, I'm, I feel like I'm the only one that's even trying to stand up and everybody's looking at me like I'm upside down. It, it, I, I, th I thought of that when I saw this uh, ad for this museum house in Bali. And um, this is what you go, you pay to get in. It's a house with all these different rooms. Here's some of the different rooms. So that's one of them. That's one of them. Uh, keep going. There's one of the rooms like that. Uh, there's one. Now we, we can look at a room like that. We can look at a picture like that and go, man, those people look crazy. I mean, what are they doing? Dancing on the ceiling. What do they line, think? They line a Richie or something? Like, I don't understand what's going on with this. How are they doing this? Uh, they look so unusual. Here's the thing they're not the crazy ones in the picture. It's just, 
It's just everything is glued to the ceiling. The picture gets taken, gets flipped upside down, and now they look crazy. They, they stand out because they're the ones that are right side up. This is what happens to us. As the world continues to shift, people are going to look at you crazy because you go, yeah, but I don't sleep around. You could be on a date with somebody and they say, well, and then I guess this is going to lead to this and this is going to lead to this. And you go, no, it ain't going to lead to nothing. And they may look at, listen, they may look at you crazy. But don't let an upside down world look at you like you're supposed to turn upside down with them. At some point, you got you to be the one that say, give them everybody else, right? You may run around with some guys that all run around on their wives. That's not going to be you. No, you're going to stay right side up. They may look at you like you're crazy. When you, don't, when you don't lie and cheat just to save a dollar, people may look at you like you're crazy. You know what? Some of those families, they got their kids, their 17-year-old kids, and they're like, look like you're 11 so we can still get your kids meal for free. Like, come on, bend down. And you may say, but that's not how I'm going to do life like that. We're going to stay right side up. When, when you're in the midst of a conversation, it's going all kinds of upside down away from Christ-likeness, and you decide to, to exit and get yourself out of it. And people may look at you and say something. But this is what I'm talking about when we say there is a lifestyle that shows the loyalty of our heart. This is what Daniel had. This is what's necessary for us to have that kind of lifestyle. To recognize that we're so loyal to God. We know it. Everybody around us knows that we're so loyal to God that it shows up in my day-to-day lifestyle. It's, it's going to be necessary as our culture gets crazier. Second thing, trait that I think was going to be so important is a dependence. A dependence on God that shows up in our devotion. If Daniel hears about this decree. When he learns about the decree, it had been published. Verse 10. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times he got down on his knees to pray, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. This is after he learns about the decree. I mean, what do you do when a decree like that comes? You know, when we're faced with something, a lot of us, what we say, we say, I have to pray about that. Well, what do you do when a decree comes that says you're not allowed to pray? You go, I have to pray about that. Wait, I can't pray about that. So what do you do? So Daniel reads this decree, and now he has to decide what he's going to do. Here's what I would propose. I don't think Daniel had to decide nothing in that moment. I think Daniel had already made the decision before the decree comes. Daniel had already decided that he was going to be a person who depended on God no matter what his culture was doing, no matter what the world was doing. And so you know what he did when he saw the decree? He did the same day, the same thing he did the day before when there was no decree. He went to his spot of prayer, and three times on that day, he prayed and said, God, I thank you. God, you are good. God, I'm still depending on you. What an irony this is because those, those kings that Daniel worked for, they all appreciated uh, his wisdom. They all appreciated his discernment. They all appreciated his leadership skills. And then King Darius, who also appreciated those things about Daniel, decides to cut off the source for which Daniel was getting all those giftings. So now he's like, I don't want you to pray anymore. Not, I guess not realizing that it was Daniel's prayer life that set him up to be who he was. Can I tell you, your prayer life makes you. It's your prayer life that makes you. 
And when we start to think that we can do something without depending on God, we are, I'll just let you know this right up front, we are a Holy Spirit dependent church. There's going to be no efforts that we try around here that we're going to try in our own strength or our own creativity or our own abilities or our own um, you know, wisdom. We're not going to lean on any of those. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to say, God, you lead us and guide us. God, you equip us. God, you anoint us. And when we step out in your name, we know you're going to be with us. This is, what, this is what Christianity is. And I guess as I think about this, this um, outlawing of prayer that we see in this upside down culture that Daniel's living in, and we can go, man, that's hard for us to imagine now, like this uh, a demonic like, um, strategy to make prayer illegal. Like that's hard for us to imagine. And maybe, maybe that won't happen in our lifetimes where there would be some sort of demonic strategy to make prayer illegal. Do you know what I think the demonic strategy is now? Instead of making prayer illegal, I think the demonic strategy now is to make prayer just completely inconvenient. I think, think about our culture. Think about the busyness. Think about the hustle and the bustle. Think about how much, how much is in our life, how much is on our calendars. Think about just we're constantly going, gotta go here, gotta go there, gotta get this, gotta get that, gotta talk to this person. Think about how many screens are in our life. Think about how used to it we are to have just this distraction and this distraction and this distraction. And then when someone, someone stands on a platform and says, maybe you should shut all of that off and carve out some serious time to be with Jesus, we go, I mean, I, can't, I don't have time for that. I don't. And if you don't have time to pray, you don't have time to depend on God. When I don't pray, when I don't make that a part of my regular life, when I don't pray, what I'm sending a very clear message to God, and that clear message is this, I got this. And that message, if you send that to God, I, I got this on my own, that might be okay if things are all going good. That might work if you get a couple weeks where things just kind of stay smooth. But I'm going to tell you what, when a lion's den moment comes along, then you're going to wish you'd been a person of prayer. And what I love about Daniel's prayer life, there's two things that kind of jump out to me when I, when I look at Daniel's prayer life. Um, even though the culture did not permit him to pray, his prayer life worked because it was already persistent and prosperous. It was persistent and prosperous. Remember that he goes to his spot, he prays three times that day, just as he had always done. Some of us think we're gonna develop a prayer life when we get here. <laughs> Well, like, you know what, I mean, everything's pretty smooth right now, but if I end up in a lion's den, if my world really turns up, if I really get into some danger, trust me, I'll learn how to pray. And I'm just saying this, it was too late for that. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to walk through a moment where you don't even have time to pray. Sometimes you're going to walk through a moment where prayer is not permitted, and you're going to have to depend on yesterday's prayer to get you through today's problem. And so when you get in that moment, you're going to wish you had become a person of prayer before the lion's den moment ever happened. That's why we got to be a people that depend on God. The, the more upside down the world gets, the more right side up as our prayers stay consistent and persistent. His, his prayers were persistent and his prayers were prosperous. 
He did not let his physical environment affect how high his spiritual life went. And I know that some of us are guilty of that. Letting our culture, letting our environment dictate how deep I'm going to go after God. Some of you have believed a lie about yourself. You start to believe the fact that you'll never be a person of prayer because, and you've got all your little list because I'm not spiritual enough, because I'm not holy enough, and because I got this diagnosis and I can't sit still long enough to pray, and, I, and because I can't, uh, I, I'll never hear God's voice. People talk about hearing God's I'll never be able to hear God's voice. And when I pray, nothing happens anyway. And we convince ourselves, we create this environment that just keeps us in one little place, not prospering in our prayers. And listen to me, maybe today, God wants to just bust you out of whatever limitations you have had on your spiritual life and start something new. Start something where you start to know how to pray, where you put away the distractions and you put away all the stuff and you decide, you know what, I'm going to be a person of prayer. Finally, another trait that we see out of Daniel is trust that's shown in, in, in times of testing. A trust that's shown in times of testing. And, um, and I, I love what the Bible said here, verse 21 through 23. The king gets there, right? He's yelling down, he's nervous. Daniel, how are things going? Are you alive? Did, the, did God save you? Daniel answers back and he says, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They've not heard me because I was found innocent in his sight and nor have I done anything wrong against you, your majesty. And then it goes on. The king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out, I love this, no wound was found on him. Why? Why was no wound found on him? Because he had trusted in his God. Now, it's one thing to walk through a moment like this. It's one thing to have a lot of like discomfort and attack on our faith in our world. It's one thing to do it and go, I think I'm gonna make it through this. I think I'm gonna be okay. That's one thing and that's good. It's a whole nother thing to truly trust God in this. I mean, to truly just go, no, God's got this. I trust God. I like to just compare the nights between King Darius and Daniel. The night he's in the den and the night he's in the palace. Let's compare those two nights because we know about King Darius's night. I mean, he's got nobody, no food. He don't, I, don't, I'm, I can't eat. I'm, I'm in too much turmoil. I don't want any entertainment. I don't want any visitors. And there he is just pacing, just turmoil, anxiety, fear, guilt, what he's, what he's done to Daniel. He, he, he just can't even manage. Meanwhile, Daniel in the den, He's just chilling. I mean, he's just walking around. I had a kid's Bible back in the day. It had Daniel pet, petting the lions like it, was a, like it was a kitty cat. I don't think that was that far off because the angel of the Lord had already shut the mouths of the lion, so you might as well pet him while you can. Look at the contrast. Here we have one man who's in a lion's den and he's just trusting. He's happy. He's fine. And you got another man in a palace and he cannot be satisfied with himself. He does not know what to do with himself. What's the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is. It's God's will. 
God's will. That's why somebody can sit in a multi-million dollar mansion with an with a, uh, account that just flood with money, and there they are, just pacing the floor, just contemplating suicide, and just, I don't feel anything's right. And you got somebody else who's in a little beaten down apartment, barely making rent, barely, and there they are, just happy. There they are, just in, in, in love with God. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense except that somebody has learned how to trust him. Oh, just trust him. Be confident in him. I can remember back taking our kids to like the beach or something. And we'd try to get them out in the water to swim. And maybe, maybe sometimes one of the little ones, maybe one of the older siblings would pick them up and try to take them out to the water. And they'd be kicking, screaming, no, calling for help. Didn't want to go. But then I could pick that same child up and walk out into that same water. And they're okay with it. Now maybe as we got deeper, they might hold on a little tighter. You know why they're doing that? Because I'm the one they trust. So yes, you might go through something. It's okay if you hold on to God a little tighter, but I'm just telling you, trust him. Even if the waters are raising, even if the seas are starting to be a little bit internal, trust him. God just wants me to tell somebody, it's just so simple. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just, just trust him. Because here's the thing. I don't know I mean, we talk about, like, the world being upside down. I don't know if it's as bad as it's going to be at some point. It, we may just be at the beginning stages of this. You know what I'm saying? And some of us, we, we think, well, when, when the battle really gets heavy, that's when I'll... No, we, we got to get strong now for the battles that are coming. And when we get strong, like, if I have a lifestyle that backs this thing up, and if I have devotion to God, I'm going to learn how to trust him. That's why some of us feel like, I don't know how to trust God. Let's go back. It goes back to you having a devotion life and you having a lifestyle that looks. And when you start to have those two components, then trust just follows right in suit. And you can, even, even, if, even if things do get worse, even if things get even, even crazier for somebody trying to follow, follow God, you can, you can trust him. Because whatever happens, it's not going to catch God off guard. He's got you. It's going to be okay. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.